Welcome to Turn on a Dime podcast with your host, Hannah Osborne. Turn on a Dime is the hub for examining the effects of media and cancel culture and how they coincide with past and present political events. Every other week, we'll feature a guest with knowledge on politics, media, or a combination of the two. Tune in every Monday at 3 p.m. for Turn on a Dime podcast. And now here's your host, Hannah Osborne. Welcome back to Turn on a Dime podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Osborne, and this week we are joined by my sister, Katie Osborne. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So, you're a millennial. What was it like to not grow up with social media, but be part of the first generation have social media fluency? Um, so I think as a millennial, growing up we had the internet, but it was more used for like entertainment purposes. It wasn't, there wasn't much learning going on with the internet, um, and we weren't on it as much as kids today, I think. So by high school, I had like social media and was looking more into serious sides of things, I guess, but growing up it was more like games and websites for fun. And what is your knowledge and experience with politics? Um, I have a passing knowledge in politics. Um, I don't study it or anything, but I do like pay attention to elections and vote in them and everything. And you lived in South Korea for three years. What was that experience like? What are like the biggest differences in culture you noticed? So as far as culture goes, I do think in Korea and probably in most Asian countries, it's less individualistic. It's more of like a community thing, more focused on like the greater good and what everyone is doing. And that has, you know, good and bad sides to it. Um, There's more respect in their culture, definitely for like age and seniority. Even their language has more like honorifics depending on who you're speaking to. And I do think school is more important in Korea. Like they put a very high value on education. And you got there just before COVID-19 started. What was the response like there? Yes, so I had about six or seven months in Korea before COVID happened. And I think our res- the response there, um, for me, I was in a smaller town, so it took a bit longer, I think. Um, but there wasn't as much pushback to preventative measures such as wearing a mask. Um, again, they're not as individualistic as we are in America, so it was less of a personal freedom thing and more like, oh, there's this contagious, deadly virus, of course we're all going to wear masks. Um, so they did like put laws in place saying you had to wear masks, but it wasn't as pushed back as I think it was here. How did that experience dif- differ when you moved to a big city? So when I moved to a big city, that was year three. So I moved to Seoul in 2021. And by then, I think everyone was mostly used to wearing a mask and getting vaccines and everything. So everyone definitely always wore a mask. Part of that was because you would get fined if you weren't or you would get denied entry to places but also they're just used to it, and everyone would get vaccines. And some people wouldn't, but it was more for fear of their health, like if they already had asthma or something like that, they would be worried. But there was less of like a political pushback to getting vaccines as well, I think. That's how I felt. What was the government's response like in terms of testing and providing vaccines and um, encouraging people to protect themselves and others? Uh, So there's a lot of contact tracing in Korea, which was like if you were in contact with someone who had COVID, they were able to get your information and contact you to let you know you needed to get tested. Um, And again, I think that wasn't as big of a thing in America just because of our whole individualistic privacy worries. Um, So like 
if they took your contact information here, I think people would be worried about being tracked. Um, but that wasn't really a big thing in Korea. They could even look at like your credit card and see where had you been and if you were in contact with someone who had COVID so you could get tested. As far as testing goes, for the first two, two and a half years, testing was totally free and you just had to go to any testing center and, you know, say why you needed it. If you needed proof of the positive or negative result, they would either give it to you on paper or text message it to you. Um, so that was all free. Vaccines were also free and you just went to like a huge vaccine center or your local clinic to get the vaccine. I know you got COVID nearing your end of your time there. What was that experience like and what was your fear of getting COVID aside from having COVID? So yes, I got COVID in 2021. Um, and by then, I think I had less of a fear of actually getting it just because so many people had already had it. And by then I also had three vaccines. Um, so it wouldn't, I knew it wouldn't be as bad as if I had got it, you know, back in 2020 or something. Um, my biggest fear with getting COVID as a foreigner was just um, not being able to go to work. And also like there was a pretty big stigma for foreigners who had COVID. But once you had it, you got tested, you went home, they they texted you your results and told you whether or not, like how long your quarantine period would be. When I had it, the quarantine was 10 days. I think now they're trying to get it to five days. My quarantine was 10 days and that meant you could not leave where you lived. You couldn't leave your apartment. You couldn't go out at all for any reason unless you're going to the hospital. And then you had to call like a special transportation to get you to the hospital. And I do think there was some contact tracing still going by the time I had it. So like they could tell if you left or used your card or anything. And how was it to watch America's very adverse response from afar? So in America, people kind of went crazy about COVID. Like they cleared all the grocery stores out of toilet paper and everything, acted like it was like doomsday. But as soon as it kind of settled, everyone acted like it like it became very political very fast to where it was, if you're Republican, you shouldn't believe in it. Or I shouldn't say Republican, but conservative. And if you're more left or liberal, you should be very, you should be perceived as very overly cautious about it. And vaccines became super political, which that was shocking to me because I knew there were anti-vaxxers. I knew that was a thing, but I kind of thought those people were more ostracized and seen as an outlier in society. And when COVID vaccines happen, I was like, people really think they'll <laughs> give you other diseases or they're trying to track us. And it was just like a crazy thought of, especially considering in Korea, like they have that ability to track everyone. In America, everyone would lose their minds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's part of the reason why I felt like it happened more slowly in Korea, despite the fact that it got to Korea around the same time. There was no mad rush at grocery stores or anything. I think they kind of just trusted that that wouldn't be an issue. I remember hearing about like the stores being, you know, sold out of toilet paper and things. And I would go to the grocery store in Korea and like send pictures back home to my family of all the toilet paper that was still in the grocery store. Um, but yeah, so I think things were less of a frenzy. And I think part of that had to do with everyone just being like, oh, as long as we all wear masks and do what we need to do, it'll be fine. There was a bit of a lockdown where like schools and things were closed. So my job was affected. So I'm not sure how other jobs, like if they were working from home, um, I'm sure that helped. I just feel like it was less intense. 
vaccines didn't seem as politicized as in America. And I, I couldn't speak to why that was. I kind of wonder if why it was so politicized here is because it was like a virus that came from Asia and there was this whole like, oh, the government's trying to control us mm-hmm. by tracking us and looking at our va- stuff and making us get a vaccine. Yeah. Whereas in Korea, it's not as individualistic again. So they were like, of course, we're all going to get vaccines so that we can get through this. The only negative experiences I had as far as being a foreigner was that you know, sometimes you were denied entry into places for not having a mask. That was a given. But if you were a foreigner, even if you had a mask, sometimes some restaurants or bars or like not usually stores, but places where you would be taking off your mask to eat or drink, um, they wouldn't let you in if you were a foreigner. They'd be like, please understand the unique situations of the times. You can't come in if you're a foreigner. Despite the fact that like foreigners who were in Korea by then lived in Korea. There weren't tourists in Korea during COVID. So that was the only negative part to that whole thing. I think the only, the closest experience of what I felt was realistic for the setting was coming to Piedmont because masks were required in class, even if half the people had them under their nose, (laughs) (laughs) or they were cloth, or they were the neck garters. And there was testing to become there. There was red flags. If you were suspicious or if you had contact, you had to, like, alert people and track Mm -hmm. yourself. And you had to have a clear test to come back to campus after having COVID. And from what I heard from back home, that wasn't really the standard for the high school or the public high schools Mm -hmm. at all. Yeah, America's just so big, I think it's harder to control everyone in America, too. Whereas Korea's like, the size of Georgia, so it's easier to control the whole country, I think. It's less And it was much harder to get tests. I know at the beginning, it was really hard to get at-home tests, and, like, later on, like, a year, year and a half in, they started doing, the government would provide so many at-home tests, but even Piedmont, they didn't provide at-home tests until this past year, and, like, getting an appointment was kind of difficult, especially if you wanted one within the day. Yeah, in Korea, all the tests were done like at a site until the last year. In the last year, they started making at-home tests more available, I think because it was less serious, so they trusted you to kind of do the at-home test and then go get tested if that was positive. But I think test testing was more available there, as well as masks. Like wearing masks when you're sick was already a thing mm-hmm. in Korea, as well as like Japan, China. Like if you had a cold, you would just wear a mask when you went to work, like common courtesy. You don't want to give your germs to your coworkers or whatever. So I think part of accepting masks was that it was already a thing there. They were already widely available too. There was talk of a shortage of masks, but it never, I never really experienced like not being able to buy masks. So I think masks weren't inaccessible, but masks that were more effective were. Mm-hmm. Like the N95s and I don't remember what ones you sent us, like K something. K, K94, I think K94. is like the equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the only time I had one was when you sent them to us. <laughs> so <laughs> if that speaks to anything. Yeah, there was limits on how many I could send you to. Like I couldn't oh, send more than like two boxes Did they check? or something. I mean, you have to fill out like what you're mailing in your box. Oh. So you could have lied, but there's always chances of like a random check of what you're mailing. So. so on the topic of how COVID was politicized, what other things did you notice about Korean politics? 
So in Korean politics, there's a lot more parties. There's like two or three main big ones, of course, like there is here. Um, but there are just way more smaller ones, especially for local elections. Also in Korea, it seemed to me that more people were involved in politics. Local elections were considered red days, which were like local holidays, which meant schools were closed. Um, and that was done so like you could go vote if you needed to. Um, it made it easier, I guess, if your kids didn't have to get to school, you could go vote. So local elections were public holidays, and if I felt that if I asked my Korean friends who were like millennials or Gen Z, they definitely went to vote. Like they always said, yes, I went to vote. Whereas here in America, if I asked my friends, same age group, it's like a 50-50 chance whether they went to vote or not. So I feel like the involvement is higher there. Do you know any politicians or even pop culture idols that were canceled for any reason? Mm, yes. So Korea puts a lot of value on public images, I guess, or public... They have very strong parasocial relationships, I think. Yes. Yeah, so it's super common for like actors or K-pop idols to get canceled for small things like dating or suspected dating or like wearing the wrong thing. There was like a K-pop idol who was like, oh, I got married and had a kid, which is a normal thing for people <laughs> to do in their 30s. And there was a strong backlash to that. Politicians-wise, there was a president, uh, I think in like 2018, who was impeached because I think just the basic like corruption, um, that was before I got there, um, but it was like mm, abuse of power or something, and she got like two years in prison and had to pay a lot of fines, um, so that had happened right before I got there, and I think that reflected in the presidential election that followed the current president, there was talk of impeaching him at the very beginning of his term just because he was doing strange things like moving where the president lives to a totally different place that was kind of inconvenient. And then like his response to certain things like the Itaewon disaster, people didn't really feel like were handled well. So I think it's common there for people to get quote-unquote canceled for things, whether they be serious things or superficial things. And I think in America, from what I've been studying and observing, cancellations aren't very permanent here. Mm, yeah. Is that the same in Korea? Or do you think they have a more long last, like they hold the grudge longer and stronger? Yeah, I think it lasts longer there. Like here, I feel like you're canceled and it, it's the news or like what's trending on Twitter for a couple of days. And that's the same in Korea, but then I feel like that has a long act impact on like your career. Like they're not going to forget that you got married or <laughs> they're not going to let it go as easily, I think. That's how I felt. Well, thank you for joining me today and sharing your experiences in South Korea. No problem. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Turn on a Dime. But wait, the content doesn't stop there. For more conversations on this episode's content, head over to my blog at hannahosbornebiz.wixsite.com. The blog and website are also linked to my Instagram at turnonadimepodcast. Tune in every Monday at 3 p.m. for more episodes. This has been Turn on a Dime. <laughs>